Well, just want to welcome everybody again, especially if you're watching online. I know some of you have been online for what seems like a year because it's been almost a year. Uh, we just want to say that we love you and, and you're still a part of us. And we can't wait to have you back whenever that happens. Uh, but we're going to talk about something this morning that uh, in the series Forgiveness, where we're looking at forgiveness as a gift that we can give towards others. And uh, um, I wanted to pause to, to get started with this all because I realized that when I talk about forgiveness, there's some some hurts that are sort of especially deep, some things that are, that are especially hard for us to, to talk about. And, and I just wanted to pause to say that when, when the hurts are really bad, when they hang with us for a long, long time and, uh, and they just don't seem to go away, that your best advice will come from a counselor, not a sermon. Um, I, I can't speak to the little nuances of, of everything that could happen. Um, and so, uh, so, so what we're doing is just sort of general teaching about what forgiveness is and how it applies. But the really harmful stuff, the really painful stuff, um, that, that's why there are some really good counselors out there who can help with that. And I would just, I would love for you to not sit in your pain, but to reach out and get help. It's not a bad thing to get counseling. Um, it's, it's not a weakness. It's, it's just wisdom. So I uh, just wanted to throw that out there. I want to say that if you're a person who's got one of those deep hurts, which let's face it, most of us are, uh, we love you. We love you. And we hate the hurt that uh, that that was uh, that was felt by you. We hate the offense that happened, and I think in those pains we gain sort of this perspective of why God hates evil, because He hates the way that it changes the world. He hates the way that it it, it affects people, and so um, in those deep deep hurts, I want to be incredibly clear that uh, that your hatred of something wrong happening is not wrong. Hating an evil action is not something you should ever feel guilty about. And so if something happened to you and it was evil and it was wrong and it was sinful, like you're totally justified to hate the action. Forgiveness is never saying that an action was okay. Forgiveness is never giving permission uh, for you to be hurt in the same way. Forgiveness is, is, is saying the act remains a wrong thing, but we're going to address the idea of vengeance, of retribution, of payback, of, of the, the desire for vindictiveness that I might have to get back with you. So, um, so in other words, it's saying that an evil offense has happened, but my animosity will not be directed towards the person. I might still have animosity towards the action. That, that, that probably will never go away and should never go away because evil is evil and we should always hate it. But it's addressing how that animosity gets portrayed to a person. And so I, I, I just want to say this, that uh, what the scriptures teach is that sort of the dark, disturbing pain that goes with these hurts is met and comforted by a compassionate love of God. And my heart for you is for you to know that Jesus Christ fully knows the loneliness you feel, the betrayal you feel, and the hurt. And when he became a man, he... He has scars like ours. And he felt what it was like to be the victim of other people's anger, other, other people's just spite, other people's evil. And Jesus does more than simply relate to us. I believe, we just sang about this, I believe he heals. And so the love of God is ultimately what we need to be healed from, from our pain. Uh, the scriptures call him the God of all comfort. 
And I want us to know him. I want us to know that perspective. And so um, I, I just want to pray right now for God to do healing work in our hearts from the pain that, that can hang with us. Our Father God, you are the God of all comfort. And Lord, you know exactly what it means to feel pain, to feel things that aren't what they should be. And Lord, there's, there's a depth to this evil in this world that just wants to cling to our souls. And we pray for your spirits, for its cleansing, for its healing work to wash over us. So that Lord, as we just praise you for that we can be made whole through your spirit and his love and his ministry on our hearts. And we ask for you to work in a powerful way this morning. In your son's name we pray, amen. Uh, so so uh, we live in what's been termed sort of the cancel culture, right? Where something bad happens and now group vengeance can be extracted. And they can figure out your name. They can figure you out. You can find you on social media. And, and they can eliminate you. They can get you fired. They can get you hate mail. They can get you annoyed. They can ruin your reputation. And and it's, it's fascinating for me to look at these accounts of sort of this cancel culture and say this is really all about just this group sort of justice. I, I, I use the term justice in quotes to sort of deal with anger. And it's fascinating how they'll drag things up from years and years ago to punish people as if it just happened in this very moment. We live in a culture that is light years away from the idea of what forgiveness is. It's all about vengeance. It's about getting somebody for what they deserve. And the Christian message of forgiveness seems kind of odd and distant. And is, is this really what we're supposed to do? Shouldn't we be punishing people? I mean, revenge feels good, doesn't it? Doesn't, isn't there a part of revenge that just sort of feels desirable and it just, it's just like, yeah, I got them. I, I, I got them. Have you ever, ever gotten revenge on somebody? Maybe you just you talked about them behind their back. You, you sought out some ways to sort of really cleverly ruin their reputation or you just cut them out of their life or you tried to cut somebody else out of their life or you tried to keep them from getting something that was good. There's a part of us that when we get revenge feels like we won. Like we got it. We did what we were supposed to do. But what I found, and I'll just speak personally for a few minutes here, what I found is that the punishment doesn't always fit the crime. That there's a temptation in my heart to go a little bit overboard, to drag it out, to make it a little bit more exaggerated as I'm trying to get even. Even's kind of in hindsight and I forget about it and I just want to get them. I watched a, a movie a couple years ago, I don't remember the whole thing, but uh, the movie was John Wick and the basic premise is this former you know, highly trained killer guy who, who uh, he loses his, his spouse and then uh, on top of that somebody had the audacity to kill his dog and so in an effort to get back at the guy who kills his dog, he goes on a killing spree and kills 77 gang members. And I'm like, this just, just doesn't feel like this is even at this point. Dog for 77 people. I, I think there's a part of us where if we're honest, and, and again, looking at myself, I'll get you back gets worse. I'll get even gets worse. It's not exactly even, is it? It ends up being something more than that. And it gets slanted towards a means of healing. I feel like if I do enough, then that will undo the damage that's been done to me. 
I've noticed that I'm so selfish that both sides of forgiveness, whichever side I'm on, if I'm the forgiver or if I'm the one needing to be forgiven, I will slant both of them to my favor. I will take both of them and make it unfairly weighted towards me. If I'm the one in need of forgiveness, you know what, you know what I'll say often? If I'm the one who needs to be forgiven, I'll say, come on, I'm only human. Like everybody does. It's no big deal. Right? I'll downplay it if I'm the one who needs to be forgiven. But if I'm the one who's been wronged, who needs to forgive somebody else, I'll always upplay it. I'll say things like, how could you? I would never do that. And what I do is I sort of, I sort of make it so it's always to me, it's always to my advantage. It's always, there's this, sort of this disparity between the kind of forgiveness that I want and the kind of forgiveness that I give. It's not really the same. And what I want to challenge us for this morning is for us to be people who know a forgiveness from God, first of all, who know a forgiveness of God, and then there is no disparity. That the forgiveness that I want, the forgiveness I long for, the forgiveness I can get from God is the same sort of forgiveness that I can offer to other people. No disparity, no self-biased slanting, no selfishness, but in the end, is, is something I think that's far better, where instead of I'll, I'll get you back gets worse, I, I think it can be I'll get you back turns into I'll give you something better. Um, so 1 Kings chapter 8 is where we're going to look at this morning to kind of see what is the forgiveness that we long for? Like, wh what do we want? And Solomon is, he's, uh, he's going to dedicate the temple, and this is sort of his prayer to God for asking how, how they can move forward as a people who, who have a temple where they can go worship God. Uh, if you remember last week, we talked about the tabernacle, and we said that's kind of the temple 1.0. 1.0, this is the first version. We, we've got now the second version. This is Temple 2.0, and it's an actual building. It's magnificent. It's beautiful. Uh, the whole thing is really, it, it's got so many ties back to the Garden of Eden. And it, what it's saying is the, the, the temple is sort of heaven on earth. It's the place where heaven meets earth. You can go and you can, you can have God hear your prayers in, in the Holy of Holies. And so there's sort of this, this idea of how it should have been in the temple. Um, and one of the key things is that if heaven's going to be meeting earth, then forgiveness has got to be part of it. If heaven's going to meet earth, forgiveness has to be part of it. That we, we, we can't just operate with God as if there's nothing that we've ever done wrong. And, and so, so forgiveness is a key part of it. One thing that I want to remind us of, anytime we go back to the Old Testament, we're looking at sort of a, an old covenant, a unique covenant that God had with the nation of Israel. We, we talked last week about the idea that was the shadow, um, and now we live in the light. And then that, in the shadow time, um, in that old covenant, what the idea was that they would be blessed, but those blessings were conditional. That if they kept God at the center of their nation, if they were representatives to him, if they reached other nations for him and didn't worship other gods, they would be blessed. But when they failed to do that, God would discipline them, move them out of their land, until they asked for forgiveness and changed their way of living and they would be brought back. And so that's sort of the, the cycle you see throughout the Old Testament. Um, and we see it reflected in this prayer. And I, I just want to kind of hit um, the, the central theme here in 1 Kings 8.30. Solomon prays, he says, Hear the supplication, or he, hear the request of your servant and of your people, Israel, when they pray towards this place. 
Hear from heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. And verse 34, then hear from heaven and forgive. And verse 36, then hear from heaven and forgive. And he does this a couple more times, and then he wraps it up in verse 46. And he says, when, they, when, when the people of Israel, when your people sin against you, for there is no one who does not sin, and you become angry with them and give them over to their enemies. This is the covenant. This is, this is the condition they, they agree to. Um, when that happens, they, they take them to their, their lands far away or near. Then from heaven, your dwelling place, hear their prayer and their plea and uphold their cause. And forgive your people who have sinned against you. Forgive all the offenses they have committed against you and cause their captors to show them mercy. Now, I'll be honest with you. When we planned a forgiveness series... And when we planned this passage in particular, I totally forgot it was about Valentine's Day. So if there's something you need to forgive your spouse of, that's between you and God. I was not working that this way. Um, but I definitely was thinking about that in my own life. Two things, that we, two things that we want in forgiveness, right? Two things we want. When you are wronged from, by, or when somebody else wrongs you, or you wrong somebody else, there's two things that, that we want there. One is, is we want forgiveness to take some things into consideration, and two, is we want forgiveness to offer some sort of path back to the way that they were, the way things used to be. All right, so, so let's talk about the, the two things. Uh, we want things to be taken into consideration. We want maybe the context to be taken into consideration. We want maybe who we are. We want our history to be taken into consideration. Come on, you, you know me. We want things to be taken into consideration. Solomon does that in his prayer. He, he, he asks God to take some things into consideration, to be fully aware of the reality that the people of Israel has, have demonstrated historically a propensity to do the things that they shouldn't do. That we're, gonna, we're probably going to fall into the same sins that we used to. And he's saying, God, I'm anticipating that you're going to have to forgive us because historically speaking, this has just been true. We're people who, knew, who need to be forgiven. Now, this is, this is huge. And this is a message that our culture deeply needs. In this tendency to be wrong, what Solomon doesn't do is he doesn't redefine morality to match our tendency. He doesn't say because we're often wrong, because we often mess up, we should redefine what morality is. We should just not call this wrong anymore. That's a foolish idea, and, and no culture will ultimately stand if they continue to live that way. He's asking not for a redefinition of what's right and wrong. He's asking for an understanding and mercy. He's not saying, God, we're always wrong, so therefore just redefine what wrong is. He's saying, God, we're always wrong, so just please be ready to forgive us. Like, if you go to the doctor and you have the same issue again and again and again, let's just say you've got, you've got horrible reflux and you just go in on a repeated basis, you don't go to the doctor so much that you, you finally get fed up of going into the doctor and you say, you know what, doc, can we just call this healthy? Then I won't have to come in anymore. If we just, like, if you just could redefine healthy so that a healthy person always has reflux, then I don't have to come in here and get treated. And the doctor would look at you and go, why would you want that? You're going to exist in a condition that's not healthy. If I can treat you, I'd like to treat you. And what our culture has done is it's redefined morality to say that this is normal, this is healthy, as a means of basically stopping the fact that we have to feel guilty when there's sin. 
And, and it's like God the doctor is saying, no, 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 I'm not going to redefine your condition. I'm here to treat it. I'm here to heal you. I'm here to not just tell you what's wrong. I'm here to give you a path for what it looks like. And so Solomon is not going to, to God to say, God, hey, like you know what you're working with. Why don't you just change your terms? Solomon says, God, you know what you're working with. Please don't get impatient with us. And of course, we know ultimately through the patience that he shows that that's not, that's not an issue. What Solomon asks is, is, is for God to deal with us in a way of understanding what he's working with. Now, is that just forgiveness we want, or is that also forgiveness we're willing to give? Is that not just the standard that we have with God, but then we have different standards for our spouses, for our coworkers, for our friends, for our neighbors? Do we say, God, I want you to understand what you're working with, but then likewise turn around and say, I don't really understand what I'm working with. I have higher expectations for you than I would have, and than I would hope God would have for me. In other words, can you understand that you're working with people who are probably going to need to be forgiven? And I'm not saying we're redefining morality. We just said we're not doing that. What I'm saying is that there should be a readiness on your part to say, I'm ready to show you grace. I understand you're probably going to let me down. You're probably going to miscommunicate. We're probably going to go through a season of life that's a little bit different. It's going to throw you off, and, and you might respond selfishly, or you might respond in a way that's, that's out of character. And guess what? I'm ready to love you. I'm anticipating a need to show you grace, and I'm ready to do that because I have a deep love for you, a general attitude of being ready to forgive because we know what we're working with. You see the difference, and I'm walking a lot of fine lines this morning. I want to be absolutely clear. It's not saying that whatever you do that's wrong could, could, could not be wrong. I'm not, I'm not saying it won't be wrong. I'm saying that I'm ready to love you in spite of your wrong. I'm ready to love you when you get a little bit short with me. I'm ready to love my kids when they annoy me for the 800 millionth time on the same thing, despite the fact that I just told them not to, because I know what I'm working with. I'm working with somebody who has a condition that's going to need grace. So, so that's step one. If we're going to be authentic, and I want us to be authentic. I, I, I don't think we'll be perfect at this, but I think we can be authentic. And I think we can say, I'm ready to forgive people because I understand I'm a person who needs to be forgiven as well. Second thing that we want that we see in Solomon's prayer is we want a forgiveness to begin. We want forgiveness to begin a path of return. To, to get back to a place where it's good between us and God, or between us and somebody else. Solomon asked for this seven times. Seven times that forgiveness would be a means or the beginning of a path to restoration. That it could get back to, to being something good. And so for forgiveness at that point, it, it moves into a discussion that, that involves another word which is really important to this whole thing. Um, and I want us to understand sort of the difference between how these two words play along together. And it's easy to get this wrong. So uh, again, fine line, I want us to understand what we're talking about. Um, I've been wrong on this for most of my life. And just recently from breaking this down and understanding the difference between forgiveness and this other term, it's, it's made me aware of Wow, okay, so that makes sense for this, this. It really, much of life began to be clear in the area of who I've been hurt by and how I've responded to that. So we're talking about forgiveness. Some of you already know it, reconciliation. 
The difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. So, so what is that difference and why I think it's so incredibly important for you is forgiveness is to release. It's to release. To release the person who has wronged you from a desire for vengeance. To release them from any sort of vindictive, I want you, I'll get you back, is gone. It's to release, to let it go that I'm not going to make you pay for this. Reconciliation, on the other hand, is to reunite, for things to get back to what they were, to, to move forward without the animosity that can come on the heels of a wrong. So, so some of the difference is that reconciliation is something that typically takes a great deal of time, as you have to communicate. You have to walk through trust issues. Reconciliation often is very helped by mediation, by somebody else who's there to help walk that path. Earlier this summer, uh, I had a neighbor reach out to me and say, hey, I want to make a path down to this stream for the kids to play in. You know, I noticed you have a chainsaw. There's this giant log that fell across the path. Would you mind coming down with your chainsaw and, and, and getting rid of the log. Yeah, no big deal. Any excuse that I've got to use a chainsaw for, that's a good thing. So I get the chainsaw, go down, and there's this giant log that it was too big for the kids to really climb over safely. And so I spent the next hour and a half, two hours, cutting this log out of the way so the kids can use the path. Forgiveness is sort of, let me get the log out the path. L let me get it out of the way so we can begin to walk so two people can meet on this path. And we can restore things and move them to a place that's healthy. And so, so then we, with that sort of understanding, we can, we can ask a question which I think will really, if, if you hang with me, will reveal a lot of what God wants to do with forgiveness and a lot of what the evil in our heart might want to do to twist it in the end. So, so uh, follow along with me. question that I've read a great deal on is this question, is forgiveness conditional? For a follower of Jesus Christ, should forgiveness have certain strings attached to it? Should it be conditional? Should they have to want it? Should they have to earn it? Should they have to desire it? Because what if you have a person who's offended you and, and they never admit they were wrong? Maybe you never even see them again. Or, or maybe they would laugh at the idea of you forgiving them. Should, should you, in those cases, forgive? Should should forgiveness be conditional? Should it have those strings attached to it? Um, and and I, would say, I would say, no, forgiveness should not be conditional, but wisdom would say reconciliation should be. Let me explain what I mean, and really we'll go to Luke 6. Um, so Jesus is saying this. He says, if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners, even those who are far from God, who have no motivation to, to do the things that God tells them to do. Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. And this is just so transformational. He says, but love your enemies. Do good to them. And lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High because he is kind to the ungrateful 
and the wicked. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. It's good to get that from God, isn't it? It's good that Scripture says that while we were enemies of God, He loved us. While we were yet sinners, God demonstrated His love for us. And the attitude of the text is that as that's God's attitude towards us, then it should become our attitude towards others. A God who doesn't attach the strings. A God who's willing to be kind to enemies. A God who's willing to love his enemies should be who we are. As a people who've received mercy, we should be a people ready to demonstrate and give mercy. As a people who have had God said, I'll no longer put my wrath upon you, that when somebody wrongs us, for us to say, I'll absorb the wrath myself. I release you from this. The, the simple truth in the scriptures is that forgiven people are forgiving people. Forgiven people are forgiving people. It's who you are. It's something God wants us to excel at. And we're going to look at a text in two weeks where Jesus is going, it's illogical to have an extreme debt removed and then to demand a minor debt be paid. It's illogical. Forgiven people are forgiving people regardless of whether or not they deserve it. It's unconditional. Now, on the other hand, reconciliation is different. That's why it's important to separate these two things. Reconciliation, for, for, for things to be as they should be, two parties have to be involved. You cannot reconcile things entirely on yourself. It's impossible. You can't make somebody else get back to the way things were. And what happens when trust is broken? What does that look like to be restored? My former pastor, Steve Cornell, he says, forgiveness is always required by God, but it does not always lead to reconciliation. I mean, somebody might have just passed away. Or maybe they don't want anything to do with it. I had a former boss that I worked for who would lie to me repeatedly who would specifically and intentionally damage my reputation to coworkers. Forgiveness removes any of the sting of animosity. Forgiveness says, I can tell you the story and not have anything going on in my heart that wants to get him back or wants to name him so you can damage him too or to keep this on going. Forgiveness doesn't, doesn't allow for that because I've excluded the idea of animosity or, or getting even. But reconciliation says, I'm never going to work for the guy again. I'm not going to put myself back in a situation because me forgiving him probably didn't change his propensity to be dishonest. And so Proverbs 13 says that a companion of fool suffers harm. So I might not go back into the place where things used to be. Thomas Watson says it this way, we're not bound to trust an enemy, but we are bound to forgive him. Now, that's God's desire. And here's how the evil kind of subtly slips back in as we see an opportunity to do something different. Because the loophole is, is, is this, is do I want it to be better than it was? Do I want them to do well in life? Do I want to keep them distant in a way that is somehow a different means of punishment? Do I want just a different way of getting back at them? Now, see, what, what forgiveness genuinely does is it takes a statement, I'll get you, I'll get you back, and it turns it into, I wish you well. 
Forgiveness changes the statement from I get you, I'll get you back, to I wish you well. There's a profound difference there between whether or not you're able to wish somebody else well, whether or not you hope that they're blessed in life, whether or not you hope that they get good from God. And what it does is it takes me from the place where I root for judgment in their life, where I root for things to go wrong, and instead I say I've forgiven them. There's no animosity. There's no reason that I should not want anything but good for them. A couple years ago, I was at a baseball game, a Milwaukee Brewers fan, and I was at a Milwaukee Brewers-Philadelphia Phillies playoff game. Incredible atmosphere. The, the stadium was filled. I was the only Brewers fan in the whole place. And I wasn't shy about that. I wore my Brewers shirt. I wore my Brewers hat. And I went into the game expecting to get some, some animosity towards me. And, and I got what I was thinking. I sat down, and the guy in front of me, who had already had a little bit too much to drink by the end of the first inning, turns around, and he says, oh, great. One in the whole stadium, and he's got to sit behind me. You ruined the game for me, pal. Like, I was just going to watch the game. That's all I was here to do. The whole game, anything, that, like anybody around me, the whole game, anything that happened, it wasn't, it wasn't just the game. It was that they were rooting against me. Like they were, they were like, ha, look at you. You're, and, and my team lost. My team lost. It was sad. I cried a little bit. But they were rooting against me. Afterwards, this is, this is incredible. Um, afterwards, a dad of a little boy in the same row came up to me, and, and everybody's watching. He, he says, hey, come here a second. He said, my son saw the way that you were ridiculed the whole game, and he saw how you responded, and my son actually wants to be a Brewers fan right now. Next to leading somebody to Jesus, that was the most powerful moment in my life. And I pray for you. I pray that you see how great it is to be a Brewers fan and you see the character that Philadelphia fans have lacked forever. Now, moving on from that, can you, can you change how you cheer for somebody? That's the heart of forgiveness. Because what that does is it exposes how genuinely You've released them to be able to say, I hope good things happen for you. To pray that God will bless them. You might not work for them again. You, you, might, not, you might need counseling for things to get to the way they should be. But, but look, can you cheer for them in life? Can you really genuinely be excited about what God might do in their life? See, Solomon desires not just the absence of anger, but the presence of love. He doesn't say, God, just stop being angry with us, and that's enough. He says, bring me back. Bring us to the place where we're blessed. Bring us to the place where we know your love, where we experience your love. See, the, the full aim of forgiveness is for things to be better than they were. They not, might not be the same as they were, but for them to be better than they were. And your, your heart towards the possibility of reconciliation will really depict how genuinely you've forgiven them. Because forgiveness is never this. Forgiveness is never a means to leverage in a relationship. Forgiveness is never an upper hand. It's never superior. And now that I've done this, now that I've given you this, now you're going to have to earn it back. Now you can begin to, to do the things to earn this. Forgiveness is not seeking Leverage. 
No, you can be wise in setting out conditions for reconciliation, but you got to be guarded because your heart will do something. Your heart, and I've seen it over and over again. I've seen it a thousand times. Your heart will take reconciliation and say, this is what it means to, begin, to, to regain trust, and it will become a disguised punishment. I'll do, you can come back, but only after I've made you suffer long enough. Only after I've embarrassed you enough. We were talking about this as a staff, and one of the staff uh, was, was just being open and transparent about an issue where they had to forgive somebody, and it was painful, and, and, and they felt that they forgave them, but what they learned over time was, and, and I'll, I'll use their phrase because it's, it's been my phrase and I think it's been all of our phrase, that I was having unreal expectations of that person. Unreal expectations of that person. In other words, the, the terms of reconciliation moving forward were disguised punishment. We're sort of this, this hidden entry place for evil to get hold of our heart. Oh, I forgave you, but I'll remind you of it a lot. And I'll hold it against you whenever it's convenient. That's not really forgiveness. We've just tricked ourselves. We've deceived ourselves into what forgiveness is. What's the forgiveness you want? What is the forgiveness you long for? What's the forgiveness that God grants you? Does God bring it back up to hold you down? No. Tim Keller, he warns of this. He says, evil has been done to you, yes. But when you, get, when you try to get repayment through revenge, the evil does not disappear. Instead, it spreads, and it spreads most tragically of all into you and your own character. Watch out, because there's a blind spot that we have in this area where we'll say that I forgive, but I'm blind to the fact that I'm punishing you in a different way. And every time you, you sort of lean back into the offense, I need you to understand that it, it's evil creeping into you. I was about 15, 16 in life, and I met a friend, and, and uh, he invited me over to his house. And, and he was one of those friends who was really good at telling you what you could do while you were already tricked into actually doing it. And so he'd say, hey, hey, like there's this, uh, there's this really expensive mansion down the road. Let's, let's get on the dirt bike, and I just want to show you this mansion. And I'm thinking this is a really bad idea. I don't ride dirt bikes, and, uh, and I, I don't really need to see somebody's mansion. It sounds like this is sort of like some you know, illegal activity. But while I'm thinking all this, all of a sudden I'm riding on the back of the dirt bike. Like, I don't know how this is. Okay, so I guess we're doing this. But the back tire was just a little bit flat. It didn't really go as fast as it should go. And there's two 15-year-old guys on a dirt bike, and we're driving down this long driveway, and you begin to see this, this huge mansion just like over the hill. It's set down in, and we're cresting the hill, and we see this huge mansion. And as we just get to the crest, we see a pack of Dobermans tearing up the driveway at us. And so he quick whips it around with me on the back, and these things are on our heels. And I mean, like, honestly, I'm, I'm like, I could feel their bark. I could feel, not like I could hear it, I could feel their bark. And I'm just like praying, like, get back, get, go, go. And I wanted to look to see how close they were, but anytime I would like turn to look, I'd have to lean back. And I'd get a little bit closer, we'd go a little bit slower, so I was like, I can't lean back. 
I got. I, I just have to stop looking at what's behind us. And, and so somehow we, we got out of there. We got back to his house. And I was like, that was a really dumb idea. I don't know how you ever talked me into it, but I'm never doing that again. Look, here's the thing. We tend to lean back into the offense. We, we tend to look over our shoulder and look at it again. To, and we feel it and we feel it like it's new. And I want to hurt people like it's new. Do you want people to bring up the memory of your pain? Uh, do you want, uh, uh, of your failure? Do you want people to, to, to remind you, to hold it over you? But forgiveness is a release, and when we release, we release. We let it go. We move on. We focus on what's ahead. And we push forward to what God's calling us and how to love somebody. We don't just keep leaning back. You know, when I, when I, looked at what God, when I sat down, I was like, man, this, this is, this is going to be heavy. This is going to call people to face some stuff. And there's a part of me that was like, man, God, I, I don't like to preach like the heavy, like deep stuff. But then, then it was like, God put it on my heart to say, this, this is the opposite of heavy. What this is doing is saying, you have heavy on your heart. This is God trying to say, let it go. This is him lifting it off of you for you to experience life without being held back, for you to stop, as, as one of our staff members said about forgiveness, stop dragging around dead bodies with you. You just don't need it. But God has forgiven you freely. You are a forgiven person. You get to be a forgiving person. Let's live with an excitement where we don't have to carry these burdens. We don't have to bring about judgment. We don't have to, to show people our wrath. I'll get you back doesn't have to get worse. Where I can say, God, I'm going to genuinely love people the way that you have loved me. And I don't have to carry a burden anymore. I don't have to plan getting even. I don't have to look for payback. I can look for grace. One of our statements, one of our values is we're a source of grace, not drama. Is that true of your life in this area? To be a source of grace. The life-giving grace that changed your life. Does it get to be somebody else's? Let's pray. Our Father God, we thank you so much for the hope we have in you. Lord, just right now, I want each of us, if we've experienced that forgiveness by recognizing our sin and by by understanding that your son Jesus died on the cross. He paid for it. It's gone. You remember it no more. We're free. That the forgiveness we get, the forgiveness we want, is the forgiveness we give. Lord, I want other people to respond to my grace the way I respond to yours. I want other people to feel as safe around me as I feel around you. I want to be a person of hope like you're a God of hope. In your name we pray, amen.